Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me today, as always, is Curtis Eastwood. Curtis, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, ha- I don't believe that. Uh, well, you know, my team sucks. I got my uh, work <laughs> truck uh, lifted off my mechanics lot last week. And so I don't know if it's in like Spokane or Bismarck. Of or those two things, now, but... which one hurts worse? Of the, of the two, yeah. Oh, definitely my definitely my F two fifty. I need that oh, okay. freaking thing to run my landscaping business. That's like that's my heavy hauler. It's and it was sort of my baby as well. Um, so that sucks. Uh, yeah, that. yeah. I've got I've got a secondary work vehicle that I'm getting by on. But um, yeah, this fucking sucks that there's people out there that want to uh, screw over uh, a lot of working Joes such as myself. Yeah, that does suck. Well, we should go get him. Yeah, um, we'll stick uh, that Ken Norton defense on him. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Alana, how are you doing over there? I am doing just swell. All right. Just yeah. swell. Just swell. Uh, I, I notice uh, for those listening to the podcast, uh, Alana's uh, background is uh, is a picture of Dave Chappelle. Um, uh, is there any reason for that? I, I just fuck him. So okay. I, I the, there is a note as well that says fuck Dave Chappelle. I mean, like yeah. if he wants me to admit that Hannah Gadsby isn't funny to have a conversation with him in a cheeky way of... Um, saying that he'd be open to talking to the trans community community he can go fuck himself yeah so. I, this podcast is starting salty fast <laughs> i like the energy this is heading in so far millie bring it on what do you got for me oh darn it all the heck it was a rough <laughs> week <laughs> that's uh that's why you're getting cast in all the plays that performance right there um how's the fantasy team doing you know um my dynasty team i'm quite proud of uh i am now standing atop all by myself at six and one wow uh yeah i'm super duper proud you should be the coach of the seahawks (laughs) (laughs) maybe i have to say i feel like i have some talent when it comes to acquiring players who actually (laughs) perform and since it's a dynasty team it indicates that i have a talent for acquiring players before they become the most successful so yeah i think i'm an excellent candidate uh for well, a job. So if, he, if, you're, <laughs> if you're listening to this seattle seahawks you know millie's got a resume <laughs> so bring her in john schneider check let's, out my uh, trophy let's evaluate yeah let's evaluate the draft <laughs> All right. Speaking of our Seattle Seahawks, this is, uh, ooh, man, this is the worst. This is the worst <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks have looked in uh, in a long time. At, uh, Jim Moore Jr. And when was that? Oh, I'm taking it back to 1992. Wow. <laughs> At this point, that offense, the way, what rolled out <laughs> on Sunday, on Monday oh. night against Jameis Winston, it was just like, okay, our defense is doing good. Let's just shut down the offense. I Here's the frustrating thing about that, too, is that I I do believe that if Russ had been playing, we would have ran away with that. That offense. We would have won that game, yeah. We would have won that game. We would have won the Steelers game. 
I and think so we probably would have won the Rams game. Like the way <laughs> if he had stayed in the game, if he had stayed in the game, like and been able to play at full capacity. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like we, you, you've asked me to be positive about this here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the positive thing is this is a return to the norm. This is, this is not, I do not think that we have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I do mm-hmm. not think that we are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Cairo 710 today, and they were talking about how other good teams like the Saints, like the Steelers, have two or three down years in a row, even with these Hall yeah. of Fame coaches like yeah. uh, uh, Peyton in uh, in New Orleans and Mike Epps. Um, sorry, not Mike Epps. Uh, <laughs> he looks like Mike Epps. He yes. does. Um, <laughs> I just forgot his name. Yeah. The coach in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Um, Mike yes. Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. Thank you. Um, and, and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Has- and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They're, they're yeah. like yeah. all of these teams have like two over the last 15 years have two straight seasons where they don't make it to the playoffs. And those aren't like the roof is falling in. Everything's on fire, burn it all to the ground. Let's start over scenarios. Mm. The only reason, and I think that this was, this was pretty valid um, that it feels like that here is because a, it's been a while for us, you know, we've been winning since 2011 uh, and B, uh, it feels a little different because Russ might want out after yeah. this season. And we don't know where we stand with that. I think so, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I mean, like, these are all, like, almost every loss this season, with the exception of Minnesota, um, we were in that game. We were in the game. Yes. And had a chance to win. And perhaps it was a one-score lo- one loss. I was We're thinking not the about Chiefs this. Who are Go sitting ahead. there with their quarterback Absolutely. and going, right. why are we yeah. imploding? Is the defense infecting the offense? I mean, they are just throwing mud at each other and they have top-notch players. Right. Yeah. And and Pat Mahomes, who's the greatest quarterback in the league, is not playing well right now. I saw I saw I saw a heading today. I don't know where it was. It was a link to an article. Maybe it was on NFL.com or something else. But it was like it was the, the heading was uh, is Mahomes turning into Jameis Winston. <laughs> like it was just kind of like it was just like this this Ouch. league the nfl is not for long man it's like right. if you, it's, that's like, right you know if you struggle a little bit yeah i mean people were people have been jumping off the carol bandwagon i think for a few years now and now i mean i just think like um you know i saw a poll on twitter by a seahawk beat reporter um I think it was Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. And he just put a very simple question out there uh, with a little bit of nuance. It was just like, do you think that Pete Carroll should be, deserves to be the coach in 2022? And uh, 78% of the people that uh, voted on that said no. I just yeah. think that's reactionary bullshit, though. Like, I, I, I tend but to I think, think that that's stuff that's been growing for a while. Like I, I know, but and I think it's been stoked by the the whole you know rest and all the yeah. I think I think that's it's been stoked there, and I think it's 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 flames that are sort of catching catching wind. I feel. Like. Do you think that Russ would succeed under a 
Belichick style of coach because no. as no. often as the, as is often the case, you have you go from a players coach to a disciplinarian, um, yeah. and and people go back and forth. I don't think he excels no. in that scenario. I no, mean, I think what Russ, wants Russ is might he wants, not. He wants an offensive minded coach. He sure. wants, he wants he somebody does. from the Andy Reid tree. I think you know here, but, which is and, and Russ doesn't believe this. Yeah. But I, I mean, I honestly believe of all 32 coaches in the league, Pete Carroll is the best coach for Russell Wilson. I totally agree. I, I think their philosophies um, are uh, compatible. Um, I think Pete has a gentle touch. And I think that's something that Russell Wilson requires. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as much right. as Russell Wilson has a reputation of, uh, you know, being mentally strong and the kind of guy who's even keel and good under pressure. He's kind of sensitive um, yeah. uh, to criticism. Um, he gets real hurt real fast. He does. And he yeah. responds. He, like when people give him a hard time, he will say something about it. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Alana. I'm not ready to jump off the Pete Carroll bandwagon yet. Um, I, I was thinking about this because it was reminding me a little bit about Mike Holmgren's final years in Seattle and where it kind of felt like maybe the league had left him behind and um, the team that he had built, the super window was gone and, uh, you know, everybody's either old or not good. Um, and I, and I was trying, I was thinking about that and I was like, is there something, is there a parallel to that? Has the league gotten like sort of left Pete Carroll behind and is, is our, is our Super Bowl window closed? Do we just not have the roster? Number one, I don't believe that, um, our roster is bad. I think that it needs a few more additions, but that defense is talented. Mm-hmm. And they proved it. Uh, they proved it last the night. And they proved it last night. The defense is is clearly starting to improve, although they're still getting torched by uh, the screen, screen pass. Plays. And, yeah, you know. Um, uh, but I, the 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 scheme on the defense, I, I still think Ken Norton needs to go. Agree. And I think Pete just needs to give trust in a few more people. I think mm-hmm. he needs to give a lot more trust in his offensive um, coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that he and Russell need to sit down together, maybe with John Schneider and talk about what the future of this team should look like. Because I think Russell Wilson might actually have some good ideas because it looks like Russell Wilson wants to bring in more of like the analytics and uh, more of these new concepts and younger coaches. And, uh, and I think Pete needs to just kind of give over a little bit, you know, Pete had a, uh, he was talking in his press conference where he's, he was asked about Russell Wilson and he's, and, and what Russell means to the team. And he said, well, let me put it this way, you know, um, I've won, you know, a lot of seasons over the past 10 years in, uh, and I'm still here. And if I didn't have Russell Wilson, I don't think I would still be here. Like he obviously understands that he is going to ride and die with this quarterback. And I think they just need to get on the same page. You know, can I just interject with my thoughts? Because that was very telling to me too. There was, there was something that I sort of got in the, in the, in, in, in that tone with him where 
I wondered if he was sort of communicating because there was something about his own coaching um, mortality in this mm-hmm. town that he sort of brought up. Mm-hmm. And he and a the, the so that's a so b the other thing in that is i've it's been my observation over the last you know and it's never fun to do a press conference when your team you know blows it in the game um but in this one in particular i feel like he just looked like somebody who is exhausted <laughs> because he's asked he's being he's he's having he's being asked the same questions over and over again and his statement mm-hmm. is just like yeah i don't know we try to fix this we can't you know yeah he was kind of he was he was sort of praising the defense on one hand and also saying like yeah we were we gave up stupid penalties again we can't do that we try and fix it they're still doing you know and it just there's just there was just sort of like a I'm sort of looking at Pete and I'm actually, Dan, how you brought up Holmgren's last year in Seattle. I'm really kind of starting to get a little bit reminded of that where like in 2008, that was the year they lost uh, Walter Jones to that catastrophic knee injury. And then out a number of games and it was, it was a four, it ended up being a four and 12 season and Holmgren just looked like he was just kind of like done cooked and out of answers to move on and 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 paul allen was ready to move on with jim mora jr you know he just and so i part of me just sort of wonders if if this season comes keeps kind of you know steering in this direction and they just can't you know just they just can't eke out these close victories and they're just losing if carol just kind of you know, if if he's sort of contemplating maybe whether or not he he'd rather just sort of walk away from this, and yeah. uh, and there's also you know I'll just throw this out here because um, other people have been too. Um, there's that USC opening down there, mm-hmm. and you know, is there an area in? So I'll just throw this out there. Would there be an area in, you know, Pete Carroll age 70s mind of going like, man, I could go back to, you know, this place where, you know, I'm going to be raised where my mentality suits the college environment where I can like, you know, quickly turn around that program and uh, get them back into like Rose Bowl championships, you know, and just sort of finish out the last, you know, four or five years of his coaching career and have that whole thing go full circle. I think that would be attractive to him a little bit. I do. What do you think, Millie? Is, is Pete Carroll cooked in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea, Curtis. I, I Here's where I got to on sort of the dichotomy of it all for me last night thinking about how the last few weeks have gone and what's so great about Pete Carroll. And I was reminded of when the Legion of Boom started to fall apart. And we started to hear all of these grumblings about Carroll that pretty much equated to, yeah, he's great when you're young and you're new to the league and you're learning this and he is, he's the man. And there was some stuff that was said, I think it was especially by Sherman, where you just got this sense that like, but then he moved on to other people and suddenly I wasn't as special and I didn't mm-hmm. and how I felt about him and the team changed and he's so good with this young talent and they all recognize it. And yet what we have done 
year after year is trade away our picks to go after established players mm-hmm. and older players, but they're not the ones that he's good with. He's good with the young ones, yeah. you know, the, the folks who are newer to the NFL, who aren't stars yet, the DK Metcalfs, like bring it along DK, yeah. bring them up, bring these people along. And same thing with defensive players. He's clearly frustrated by this defense, but at the same, and you know, I don't know how much of it he's really getting a hand in these days, but it's it's too bad because they did do a lot of things I thought were really good, especially early in the game. I mean, that drive by the Saints was like eight and a half minutes. And I thought for sure it was going to end in seven points. And it didn't. It ended in a field goal. That was Jordan Brooks win. play. That was awesome. Jordan Brooks played outstanding. And was, on uh, that, that so they had Pete to battle Carroll, the rest a few know. times too. I, I, I think where I land with Pete Carroll is if you want to do what he's good at, then do what he's good at. If you want to keep doing what you're doing right now, he might not be the right coach. Yeah. Well, there's a still a long season ahead of us. Um, I, I think, you know, there's an outside chance the Seahawks can get it together and get a postseason run like the Giants had in 2007. Uh, but uh, it's going to take uh, everybody on that team bearing down. <laughs> That's um, the new motto. Maybe we can be yeah. like the Giants. <laughs> Maybe we can be the Giants. But the Giants, <laughs> yeah. The Giants beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl on that. I'm season, undefeated, so. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I know sure anything can happen. Anyway, I, I here's uh, uh, one thing I love uh, about this week we we had uh, we had two Seattle sports stars coming home. We had uh, Matt Hasselbeck coming in and uh, and and getting into the ring of honor with uh, I, I wish he did the I, I wish he'd done the halftime speech for the Seahawks. Oh my god, that, that was amazing! Because I wanted to run I wanted to get up it. and run through my yeah. it was you wall. It was you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. That was awesome. He's a good talker. Uh, and then uh, we had, so we got Hasselbeck and then it was just announced that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Bought a uh, bought stake into the Mariners ownership. And mm-hmm. that's just about the coolest thing that yeah. can happen. I just, uh, I am in love with that news. I, just I mean, when awesome. you have a former player, especially a black player purchase a team and have some stake in the team, there are no like, Michael Jordan is the only black owner of an NBA team, right? At, at least primary owner. And so seeing like uh, Magic Johnson buy the Dodgers or be a, an owner of the Dodgers and now Griffey like that, it's, that's wonderful news. I, th- I think that's great. I, uh, you know, I, and I, you know, if you, uh, if you like to believe in signs, I think that's a great sign going into next year. We got Ken Griffey Jr. in our corner, man. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and he seems fired up about that team. So anyway, I think that's great. Uh, I, Millie, what'd you think, uh, you know, Hasselbeck getting, uh, getting into the ring of honor in that, that, uh, that speech he gave. Okay. So I still haven't seen the speech. Okay. I, I have to admit, I've not had time to go watch it. What I did get to see was him before the game on um, Monday Night Countdown, uh, counting down some of his favorite plays. And it was really great to go back and sort of re-experience that period of time because that's when I fell in love with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I moved to Seattle, you know, in, uh, 
1997. And, and so he's my like golden era of Seahawks. Right. And those plays, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I saw a game in the kingdom when I first moved here, which was, you know, before his time, but we were so excited for what was to come. And he reminded me of that excitement. And I, I love everything about Hasselbeck. I love to listen to him as an analyst. And I love it when he gets to talk about the Seahawks because he doesn't pretend like they're not important to him. Right. And I will watch the speech. I really want to watch it. The hubs and I want to watch it together. So we just haven't had a chance to do that yet. Here's one of the things I love about Hasselbeck. And, you know, he's been given interviews, talking a lot about, um, this last week about getting into the ring of honor, which I think is a legitimate honor for, for Matt Hasebeck. Um, and he often would talk about the highlights of his career or the best plays that uh, of his career. And the one he keeps bringing up most is Marshawn Lynch's beast quake. Yeah. And I just think that is, I mean, like that is just, I think that's great that it's nothing that he accomplished. It's that it's the most, one of the most exciting things that he was just, on the field to be a part of. Um, you, I, I, you can tell that he loves the game uh, and and he loved it here. Um, and that's you know. the best run in NFL history. And I don't think that there's any comparison. Like it's- he, t- he said that uh, he grabbed the ball because Marshawn got rid of it when he was doing his celebration and, uh, and handed it off to the equipment manager because he said, this is probably the best run that's ever happened in mm-hmm. the NFL. We need to keep this ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, well, no, I the ball him. actually ended up with him. This is one of the stories he told yeah. that they put it back in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he even said Marshawn put it back in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and then his daughter walks off the field at the end of the game with that ball. And they were trying to figure out where it was. And he realized that it was sitting in his daughter's bedroom. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. So that's how they got the ball back to Marshawn. <laughs> I love it. I wish we could have won for him, but good for Matt Hasebeck. Uh, you know, he'll always have a place in, in my Seahawks. I mean, the only reason we didn't win for him is the referees. And like, I, that's, <laughs> and, and Jason won, and, a shame kick. Yeah. Right. And Jerome Bettis. And people were like, win one for Bettis. Like, oh, why yes. does that matter? This guy's just a guy. Yeah. Anyway, good for him. Um, uh, why don't we go into our, predictions for next game against the jacksonville jaguar i'm gonna be honest i i i don't know anymore i i just don't know i know the betting lines are still favoring seattle um i i i have no idea how this game is gonna go uh, give me something curtis uh joe ah, ah, you're asking the wrong person um i i don't know it depends what carol wants to do is he going yeah, to just the interrupt offense? uh the kraken just scored again to take it ahead five to one yeah i just um i don't know what carol's gonna do if he's gonna if he's gonna give i think he i think he took the offensive play call in away from from shane waldron in this one I think he wanted to dial it back down as if he was had the LOB and he had Marshawn Lynch running the ball. And it was, uh, you know, it was um, 2012 in that game. And I just, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm a little nervous about Jacksonville getting that first W and scoring some points and they've got a talented young quarterback and, 
I think right now uh, teams could be sensing um, they could be like sharks smelling blood in the water when it comes to uh, what's going on with Seattle right now. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I think it. I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be a loss. I think it could be a loss. Um, but I am gonna reverse my negative trends, uh, even though they haven't been wrong for the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say, Carol is going to allow Shane Waldron to call that freaking offense like a modern-day offense, and we're just going to narrowly skate by those Jacksonville Jaguars 24-21. to 21. Oh, I like it. Alana, give me a score. 2010 Seahawks. Uh, I think that uh, – I don't think Trevor Lawrence is ready right now. I think he's started to turn his the season around, uh, but I think that we'll have some big defensive plays. Uh, I think we'll see an overall improvement of the defense uh, as has seemed to be happening. Um, I think that uh, I don't think that Carroll will get out of Waldron's way, unfortunately, but I think because the Jags are as crappy as they are, I think that um, we'll see another player to like the one that Metcalf had in the first half. Yeah, uh, the eighty-four yard touchdown. What's so, this, that'd be nice. what was your score? I didn't quite catch it. Twenty to ten. Ten. All right, Millie. What do you got? And Myers us? doesn't miss a field goal. <laughs> Bold prediction. Right. Um, I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were once one of my beloved teams, uh, really just need to become the London Jaguars because mm-hmm. that's <laughs> the only place that they win um consistently so i say it's a home game we got a lot to prove um i think everybody shuts their mouths opens their ears and puts together a fantastic seahawks win i say the seahawks win it soundly 24 10 all right high scoring games um this offense under geno smith um, is averaging something like 11 and a half points a game. And the offense under Russell Wilson was averaging like 23 points a game. Um, okay. I, Has it been I that juggernaut the, offense the, we were thinking? Yeah. <laughs> By either quarterback. By, right. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a slow game. Um, I, I do think the Seahawks are going to score a little bit. And that defense is much approved. Um, and I think they're going to build on that. I am going to say it's going to come down to uh, 1713 Seahawks. All right. We got, we got four wins projected. It has to happen. If, if, if they happen. need a win going into the bye and just get some momentum going, get a win. I'll tell you what doesn't look very good anymore though is uh, that Sunday night football game on December fifth. I don't think we're keeping that one. I think that that uh, uh, no, NBC is going to be like, oh, we thought this was going to be great. <laughs> both both of these teams suck. Yeah, yeah. Is that when they have they, Do they start flexing at that point? Will they? they flex I think they start flexing at week ten. Yeah. So yeah. They, it's definitely honestly, in the I just the, the the two games after our bye against freaking uh green bay and arizona in arizona i'm kind of like man if i'm if i'm russ's agent i'm just pulling him aside and saying hey look 
<laughs> let's just uh, let's let's let Gino go a couple more weeks. Because we'll <laughs> I mean, especially if Seattle if Seattle loses to Jacksonville, if I'm if season's I'm, cooked, I'm season's pressed, over. I'm I'm telling I'm I'm going into John Snyder's office and I'm just like uh, start calling the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they're going to win. I believe. I believe. All right. Well, you know who is fun to watch, though? The Seattle Kraken. The Kraken. Catch the home. Did catch their home opener? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That was fun. They lost. I was unfortunately in Portland, but I was following it on my phone. Um, They're playing like an expansion team, mm-hmm. but there's still exciting. Like there's a, there's a lot of good stuff. And, and actually, you know, I'm watching the game right now. Uh, there's, you know, 11 and a half minutes left in the third quarter and they're whooping on them five to one. Uh, I, I was reading that the coaching staff simplified the game plan a little bit um, yes. and are letting them just kind of like skate a little more free and a little more instinctually. And it's, it seemed to work out for them there. Uh, there have been uh, a couple goals, um, you know, like some nice setups and assists Tana have had a really beautiful one um, uh, where it was shoveled over to him. He was right in the corner of the net and he just, you know, deflected it with the, uh, with the stick right in the net. Um, it was really fun. Uh, I am, uh, I'm having a lot of fun with these uh, Seattle Kraken. It, it's nice being able to follow a team uh, and have like an emotional connection to them, but no expectations. Right. That's yeah. what I have with the Seahawks right now. I'm, yeah, I'm still emotionally yeah. connected. I just have zero <laughs> expectations. Yeah. Right, just no expectations. I'm 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 an '80s, I'm an '80s. Uh, uh, you know, I'm from that era, and you know, and I suffered through '90s Seahawks football. Like all these little millennials, just need to like you know, yeah, suck it know. up and buck it up and get through <laughs> this little rough spell. It's okay. They're well, not going like to win this. Where we where we've been with the Mariners for the past twenty years. I don't know about you, but I I still love going to a Mariners game, and it's like I just treat each game as its own individual sort of you know, not connected to a season or anything like that. And hopefully they win this one, but you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm having fun. I'm have, I'm, I'm rocking my, my, uh, my cracking Jersey. I I'm, I'm, I'm way on the bandwagon. I am on the cracking bandwagon. Nice. Yeah. I know. I'm having fun. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I got a Jersey, the hubs got a Jersey, the dog got a Jersey. We are ready to go all in and yeah. you're right. There's, there's so little risk and all reward. Cause right now yeah. you're just excited every time there's a goal scored. So you're just like, Oh yeah, no, we didn't win, but But we played. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, we got to play. It's here. It's yeah. Yeah. And that, (laughs) and you know, this brand new arena is rocking and it's full of energy. And that's, Uh, I think it was on the Peyton and Eli's broadcast. Sue Bird was a guest. And I I think it was this one where I heard her, but you know, the Sue Bird is talking about retirement. She's 41 years old now or something like that. And, uh, and Peyton and Eli were having fun because, you know, Sue Bird has as many championships as the two of them combined. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were asking, you know, what are your retirement plans? And Sue was saying, well, you know, I was at the Kraken game at their home opener and that new stadium looks so good. Like I, I might have to play at least. One He's got to do one more. She's got to do one. She's got to play one more. You got to do one more. Come on. Like, you got to do it. 
I know. One of the you know, put her her on the Seattle Sports uh, um, Mount Rushmore. They got they they to build a statue of Sue Bird right outside that freaking thing. They she need to, yeah. See, yeah. I mean, you know, the yeah. Mount Rushmore of Seattle Sports is Griffey, Ichiro, Russell, and Sue Bird. Sue yeah. Bird. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Alana, what are you dorking on this week? Uh, you know, it, it's been an interesting week. We started watching like two of the most serious shows that I've seen in a long time uh-huh. with Made and Dope Sick. Yeah. And both of them are funnier than Why the Last Man. <laughs> like both of them find moments to be absolutely fucking hilarious. Whereas Why the Last Man, this comic book adaptation that actually has funny whole books is not funny at all. Um, I just wanted to say that because it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit to have these full-on guttural belly laughs during a movie that's about spousal abuse and uh, surviving on 35 cents um, in the middle of Washington, like, or, or a show that's about addiction to OxyContin. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it, it blows my mind a little bit, but that's the result of good writing versus bad writing. Um, but what I really wanted to call out is uh, I've been really into, I'm in a music exploration period right now. Okay. And um, it's one of the, and I value Spotify for that because mm-hmm. I can do their, you know, find a song I like and then create songs uh, or a playlist from a particular song. And um, it's, it's resulted in a lot of really awesome finds. Uh, and I have, I found an artist yesterday or, no, it was on uh, Saturday. Um, I, w- I went to Portland to help a friend open uh, uh, a new coffee shop bar uh, movie place uh, called The Fourth Wall in Portland. You should go if you're there. Um, and uh, this song came on my Spotify mix by an artist named Dizzy Faye, F-A-E, and she is a classically trained singer and dancer and makes music that is described as a fusion of R&B, pop, alternative, and jazz. <laughs> and um, what it is, it's, it really heavily features her voice, but then there's a lot of synth, but it's only like a single synth line. So it's got that like kind of Prince quality of like just a really, they find a groove and sit in it. Uh, and then uh, the occasional drum beat. And so it's really sparse and the production is brilliant. Um, this one song called Baby Pills, Pills with a Z, uh, it's just like this extended synth line that modulates in speed throughout the song. So at some points you're, you're grooving to it like this and then it drops the tempo significantly while she's singing and then there's a part where it just kind of like catches up to itself and goes back up to this up-tempo sound um and then in addition to that there are these little just tweaks to the song so i'm not sure how much y'all are familiar familiar with music production um but i really geek out about it um and uh or dork out about it more appropriately she uses this chorus uh, um, effect where she has like 
three voices that are an echo of her voice, but pitch shifted way up. So it's almost like um, it's often used to, to kind of demonstrate an alienness and otherness in song. Uh, I know like Andre 3000 uses it, he has used it some. A lot of rappers use it for like a background vocal that's like, <laughs> like way up there. She uses it in this song, Baby Pills, two times covering two words each time. So you just hear like this phrase, you got, and then it's her normal voice. And then it's chorused on the background and then it goes away. And it adds such a brilliant atmospheric touch to the whole song that makes it feel even more like off, but like you're in her mind. Uh, and then I was, I listened to it five consecutive times because I had never heard it before. Um, and it just kind of blew me away. And then I found out, found her album, which is called the Freeform Mixtape. I highly recommend the whole thing. It's really supple. It's really sexy. And it's really also sparse and fun and weird. Uh, I can't I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and then also making a Spotify um, based on song playlist will result in so many other good finds. So that's uh, that what, Spotify is great for that. And their algorithms are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but you should really listen to people's stuff on Bandcamp or uh, someplace where you can actually pay the artist directly and not have to. Yeah. Do and that. what was the so, name of that artist again, Alana? Dizzy Fay, D-I-Z-Z-Y Dizzy space F-A-E. Uh, I might have to give it a shot. It's Curtis, great. what are you dorking out about? Oh my God. Uh, after a very, very long hiatus, uh, I think it was Saturday, maybe Friday night. No, it was Friday night I started it and I kind of picked it up again on Saturday. I went into the Madden wormhole um you, you I, um, had to start winning a, some Seahawks games. Uh, I, I am a 52 year old human being with a three-year-old kid uh and a wife that go to bed early and um yeah i don't go into the den to watch my rated r films or anything like that uh i play a video game uh and the thing that i discovered why I gravitated to uh, Madden many, many years ago was because many, many years ago, my team, the Seattle Seahawks, sucked. <laughs> and the joy <laughs> of playing Madden is that you can wheel and deal. I, that, that I found I navigated into this freaking game, the latest one, where uh, and I dropped a ridiculous sum of money to freaking download it. Uh, but I went into owner mode and it allows you to create your own owner. Guess who owns the Seattle Seahawks right now in my game? Courtesy of Seahawks. <laughs> who so does? Man. Don't Did ask me how Hunter I got the billions of dollars to purchase it away from Vulcan, <laughs> but I own the Seattle Seahawks. And I uh, went into John Snyder and Pete Carroll's offices and I'm saying like, you know what? Right up the trade line, we're going to be sellers. And uh, I got rid of Bobby Wagner and I sent him to the, I sent him to the Cleveland Browns for a third oh. round pick. And a oh, sacrilege. Pick. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I think Bobby was okay with it because they actually had a winning record. 
and uh, and I moved uh, my hotshot young uh, uh, Will linebacker uh, Jordan Brooks to uh, Mike linebacker, and then I took Jamal Adams and I made him the Will linebacker because he's better down at the line of scrimmage than he is playing. That's where he's going to make all the plays for me. And so now all of a sudden offenses have to deal with uh, Jamal Adams uh, being an off ball linebacker, potentially at the line of scrimmage the whole entire game. Is he going to drop back? Is he going to go out? And uh, I got all that thing. Uh, I, and I dealt, uh, I dealt uh, that 36 year old left tackle Dwayne Brown to the Panthers for a fourth round pick. And uh, I bit the bullet and I also uh, traded away uh, Quandre Diggs for uh, some team for like another fourth round pick. So I'm gonna like, uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm gonna go into the 22 uh, off season and I'm gonna wheel and deal. I'm gonna rebuild that team through the draft and through young free agencies. I'm gonna get rid of these high priced, expensive guys who aren't playing at optimum levels. And, Are uh, you listening to he, Jody Allen? Uh, if if you're looking to offload that team, Chris what's that? Is, if, you, if, yes. if Jody's Allen is listening and yeah. she needs to offload this team. Because I'm going to do what, right what I feel like a lot of people think is who've been, who've been, you know, have been watching this team for the last few years. They need, they need, they need a reset. They need a rebuild. They need to get young again. They need to get stronger at the line of scrimmage. They need to quit, you know, trading away high draft picks for older players uh, who aren't, you know, uh, left tackles and defensive tackles and centers and all that sort of stuff. They need to start winning at the trenches. Guess what they didn't do against the saints. They didn't win at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> they didn't win that, that, that third and second play with Collins up the gut was a biggest was, 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 was a total like, man, it just lacked conviction. It was just kind of like, I don't trust, I don't trust uh, Geno Smith to do a simple play action rollout and find Will Disley out in the flat, just just, against the Steelers, which was like the touchdown score right in the freaking, right at the goal line. Why didn't they run that? Can I I comment that that, uh, your your dorking is still about sports there curtis i know it's dorking because <laughs> yeah. i played a stupid video game I know, for like, but then you for like eight year olds and i'm 52 years old. you're like i'm not emotional about the seahawks at all <laughs> fuck the seahawks <laughs> fuck them because i've got mad i own you, I you. Allen, I own you. <laughs> well curtis good luck with that i gotta say i've been watching the hubs take uh the Bengals to two super bowls so you know wow like there's nothing like a little madden to make you believe in a team yeah hey, i like that joe burrow i think he's a good young quarterback Absolutely. what are you dorking out about millie um i am i'm i'm gonna go with a with a i don't even know what i, I need to hate on something for a second oh and then yeah i know i love a good hate rant bring it on so here's my hate rant because it's yeah. October, right? And it's Netflix. And I was really excited for, you know, what is it going to be this year? Because we've had Bly Manor and we've had Hill House and it was so good. And then I got this horrible piece of shit called Midnight Mass. It is the <laughs> most. Oh, I and I had to finish it. It was one of those. I was like, well, now I got to finish this. I'm so close. Like, I only have like two episodes left. I guess I'll finish it. It is 
just awful. I love a good moody, drawn out piece. And that's not what this is. And if anything, I felt like I was forced to listen to an actual sermon just to get like some sort of tiny little bit of intrigue into what's really going on in this small town. Oh my God, I hated it so much. And I just, if you haven't watched it, don't. It's not worth your time. My, my, my Facebook feed for the last few weeks has been flooded by people raving about this movie. So I love that you're bringing the hate on this thing. It's, you know, the Netflix has so much content. I need stuff to check off. Just mm -hmm. like, I know, not that one. It is awful. And there's like Hamish Linklater, who I really like this actor. He's so interesting. And um, he was just in something on Amazon that was super weird, which is like, I, it wasn't, I know what you did, or I know yours, tell me your secrets, which is a really uneven one, but ultimately, in my opinion, really good. And he's great in that. And I really like that actor. And he's the, the preacher and, and, oh God, it's just bad. It's really, really bad. And there's a couple things that early on that you're like, Ooh, this is creepy. Ooh, this is a little scary. And it is not Hill House. And it's not even Bly Manor. It is not worth your time. So that is my hate on. And right. my love on, it's funny because it, I feel like it's not as good as the first season, but I've been eating it like candy. And that is uh, Lock and Key on Netflix. Oh, um, yeah. And maybe part of it is because it has that, it has that house aspect, which is part of the sort of creepy thing that I like. I like haunted houses. I like stories that involve the history of a house and key house is so cool every time it's in a shot it's just i don't know who built that set but it is awesome and the 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 storyline is is the storyline i just care way more about like what's the next key going to do and what neat like visual are they going to come up with um and so i have been dorking out and just consuming episodes of that i think there's only 10 but uh I, i'm almost done and i'm having a lot of fun with that one nice a friend of mine from college plays the dad who was in season one but not season two from what i can tell interesting randall he plays randall yeah i don't i don't want to give it away so okay well, uh, I'm geeking I, out. Uh, the the Kraken just won five to one. So yeah, Kraken. All right. Uh, the other the, the, here's what I geeked out on. Uh, I'm a giant 007 fan, big James Bond fan, mm. uh, and huge Daniel Craig fan. I finally got to see No Time to Die, the newest Daniel Craig. Um, and I can officially say that the hardest I have ever cried at the movies was at the end of a stupid James Bond movie. I, I, I was just a, a puddle of tears. It was like all, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's very, it tells his story, his story ends, and, um, and it's all very final. And it was like, all of a sudden, like, the realization that I will never see a new Daniel Craig James Bond again, <laughs> it's so stupid. I just like violent sobs in the back of the theater. At a, at a dumb James Bond movie. Were they loud sobs? I, I had to like literally cover my mouth and then I was like shaking. It was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was pathetic. Did it, Rami Malek make you cry? Middle-aged man weeping at the end of a James Bond movie. 
it was it was a great movie. Uh, it was not as good as, as Skyfall is is his best and maybe probably you know Skyfall top three awesome. um, of the entire franchise. Uh, but it holds up. It it holds its own. Um, uh, it's well shot. I thought it was well written, um, and it painted outside the lines a little bit for like what a James Bond formula does. Um, that I kind of appreciated. And also, <laughs> one of the uh, observations I had was, you know, Daniel Craig is like 53 years old now. And, uh, you know, all of the stunts were like car chases and motorcycle chases. It wasn't a whole lot of like running around and swinging on things and like hanging from things. It was mostly like driving things. I thought that was funny, but. Uh, I, we need to, the new James Bond needs to be Riz Ahmed. Like, I am oh, fully, I'm into that. Yeah. Put all of my energy behind that. Oh, I'm I'm into that. Yeah. Uh I I, I would love that. Who is yeah. that? The guy from uh um the drum drummer movie. Uh God, what else? He's, he was That's in Nightcrawler. He's in um God. You might have you seen Four Lions? No. Have you seen uh, he got nominated for the Academy Award this last year. Um, I'm pulling oh. it up for uh, Sound of Metal. He was in Venom, okay. um, the first one. Yeah, I wouldn't see that one. Um, I've got like a three-year-old. I see things on Disney Plus. That's what I see. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. He, I he, look him up. You probably will recognize him. He's he's he, he was in Rogue One. Oh, was he? he I loved Rogue One. That's my favorite played, Star Wars movie. It's the only Star Wars movie that's any good. Uh, it's Bodie Rook. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wait, I can go. I can go hard on this for a long time. Oh, I'm a Star Wars fan. Keep that Careful. for another podcast. Yeah. Um, All right. He played Bodie Rook in Star Wars uh, in Rogue One. Which one was that guy? Uh, okay. Is he uh, the blind the dude? Yeah. No, I don't think he was the blind dude. Under the uh, Imperial cargo pilot who, under the influence of Galen Erso, deflects to the Rebel Alliance in an attempt to steal the death. That's everybody. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I need to revisit that. You know, basically, uh, Rogue One is the Dirty Dozen in outer space, which yeah. Dirty Dozen is like one of my favorite old school like nice. uh, WWE films. All right. I'm pretty sure he's he's at the very end of the movie with her, and they're like holding each other or something like that. But I could be wrong. Maybe that's all. Oh, he's right. the guy, he's the lead then. He's one of the leads for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know that guy. Yeah. So, kind of a good looking guy. Yeah. He's He'd be perfect. Fun. Perfect. I love it. All right. Well, uh, hit the subscribe button. Go check out Curtis's blog, Twelfth Life. He's got some good stuff over there. Twelfthlife.com. Uh, we're here every Wednesday. Uh, once again, my name is Daniel for Alana, Curtis, Millie, and the rest of 12 saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>